the results between doing it, not doing it. Long, long story short, the advice to somebody that is not willing to be held accountable or thinks that they don't want to be held accountable, I would just say try it out. Um, you're definitely going to be uncomfortable. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, we're sitting down with Jeremy Haynes. This dude is doing some absolutely massive things in the digital marketing agency side of things. He has scaled his own agencies to some crazy places, working with some extremely high-level influencers and doing some very high-ticket deals. So we're going to be talking a lot about that, how to get started with your own digital marketing agency. We're talking about sales because that's actually where Jeremy got started in the world of sales, actually working with Grant Card don't helping him build out his whole online side of his business. We talk about networking. We talk about risk. We talk about a lot of different things in this interview. Jeremy just has so much value to bring. He's just a wealth of knowledge of information, and he's sharing a lot of that with you guys in this interview today. So I'm so stoked for y'all to listen to it. I had a blast talking with Jeremy. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Jeremy to the podcast. So wherever you guys are at today, I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Jeremy Haynes. All right, Jeremy, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Um, just before we hopped on the interview, we were talking about how Jeremy is uh, coming to us from a uh, treadmill desk today. So how are you doing over there? I'm doing fantastic. I'm in the zone. <laughs> I love it. So Jeremy, our listeners got to hear a bit about you in the intro to this episode. But for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are, what you're doing, give us like a 60 second snapshot of where you're at right now. Uh, so I've been running a marketing agency for the last four years. Before I got started with that, I used to work for Grant Cardone for 13 months. That was the reason I got started with my marketing agency. Um, long story short, I help personal brands. Um, one of my biggest case studies, my marketing agency has been Dan Locke, took him from about 300K a month. Big team effort, of course, and obviously the help of Dan. He's doing just shy of 3 million a month now, um, under a year. He's been one of the fastest developing personal brands we've been able to help. Other clients like Garrett J. White, uh, work at the Harmon Brothers, they created those poopery ads and the, uh, the Squatty Potty ads <laughs> and, and the Purple Mattress ads. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, Bradley. Uh, Brad on the show. Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, Brad's the shit. His, his, uh, I don't even know what, what kind of accent he has, but it's crazy. he's hilarious. <laughs> Brad's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so I have 1900 students that I help with, uh, scaling agencies, starting agencies, digital marketing, uh, personal branding and, I don't know. I, I just do a bunch of stuff myself. But yeah, <laughs> well, I'm stoked to dive into it, man. The listeners, I get a lot of questions all the time about digital marketing because that's what I do myself. Um, so I'm stoked to dive into that with you. But before we do, I like to start off all the interviews by sort of flashing back in time to like your early upbringing. So like middle school, high school years. Um, oh, yeah. What was Jeremy up to in that time period? Were you taking school seriously? Were you getting into entrepreneurship? <laughs> what that look like? Uh, you know, it was it was a bunch of different things, to be honest with you. The difference between middle school and high school is quite profound. I'd say middle school, I had a big, I want to be the popular kid edge. And that worked out for me well. But that was also a time at home where I started to realize as a young man that I didn't really have a good father to look up to um, as far as the example of what to do, but a good example of what not to do. Long story short, that led to a lot of friction in my household that kind of came out socially, I'd imagine. Um, from just being a little rambunctious that turned into me being a bad kid in high school. Although when I was 16, I, I did start a video production company. Uh, I made I made more money than both my parents did in the year in three months. Um, nobody really believed me. I didn't have a support system or like a mentor network or anything like that. So I wouldn't have even called it a business at the time, more of a hobby, just, just kind of made money. 
Um, but yeah, long story short, <laughs> I was just a bad kid. I finished high school and I got a sales job. Uh, I was selling direct TV and then I ended up selling phones and that's what got me out of where I grew up at, which, which was a little city in Akron, Ohio. Huh. And, uh, what brought you into sales? You know, it was just the mere awareness that when I was running a business, I realized that talking to people was probably the greatest asset that I could incorporate into my skill set. I didn't know anything about what I know now. Like I didn't understand that there were sales trainers or that there were books or courses or anything like that. I just knew that if I had a commission job, that meant that I didn't have an income cap. And that sounded a lot more advantageous than just selling my time for money. So at, at the time in Ohio, everybody was encouraging like, dude, get a job, you know, they would all take the safe bet of getting paid for their time and their efforts rather than, I looked at the upsides of commission only jobs. I was like, I can make a lot more money that way. Um, that led me to the self-awareness that a lot of people just didn't believe in themselves. A lot of people didn't have confidence where I was at. A lot of people were negative, had a lot of limitations, but same thing, didn't know personal development exists or anything like that. Just kind of had that feeling on the inside that it wasn't right. Um, that just that led me into sales, which was, which was great because sales naturally lead you into personal development because you realize you know, people aren't just buying whatever it is I'm selling. People are buying me. Uh, my daily attitude dictates the quantity of sales I can make. And, you know, that dictates my, my potential and my income. And um, income is linked to our options and our choices. Like, long story short, it's just a giant chain reaction. And once you get into sales, you kind of start developing yourself. <laughs> I love it. You got any words of wisdom for the aspiring people out there who are like 18, 19, 20, getting their first sales job right now? Anything you wish you would have known starting out? You know, if I, could, if I could go back and like whisper something in my ear when I was a young 16-year-old, it would have been to leverage the internet to find out more things and more paths that can lead to more income faster. One big thing that I did when I was young, um, I just knew that I needed to upgrade my opportunities and my situation. That was a, that was a good driving mindset that I had that allowed me to develop. But I, you know, I never would have gone on YouTube and typed in things like um, how to do drop shipping or how to start a marketing agency. Or I just, I just didn't know those things existed. Um, there's a good quote. You don't know what you don't know. Like I said, if I could go back and just whisper like, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to make a bunch of money on the internet one day. Why not just start sooner? Um, I wish I would have done that, you know, cause I've had, I've had 16 year olds walk up to me at an event. Uh, I spoke at this Casey Adams event out in uh, Arizona at his, at his mansion. He got and this, this kid comes up to me. He's 16. He's, he said, you know, Jeremy, I'm 16. I just made my first million dollars this year and I'm just, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble focusing. What would you recommend? <laughs> you know, and I, I left my ass up. I was like, dude, when I was 16, I was, I was, I was a bad kid. You know, I, I, um, I wasn't making a million dollars. So, I mean, 18, 19 year olds, I'm not setting too high of a standard when I say like a million dollars is possible at that age, but to be frank, it is. And it's just, you don't know what you don't know. So just go study a bunch of different things. Don't think college is the path. Um, you know, don't, don't think you have to listen to people who aren't doing what you want to do yourself. Like mom and dad, they typically don't have the best advice. The people who are doing what you want to do, they're going to have the best advice. <laughs> um, you're not going to go ask your mom, who's not a millionaire, how to become a millionaire, but mom's definitely going to give you advice. So you got to know how to qualify along the way. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but getting to something lucrative faster than uh, what I would have done. <laughs> That's key. That's key. So what, what takes you from that sales, those sales positions to where you're working with Grant Cardone, filling that gap there? Yeah, good, good question. So um, eventually selling direct TV led me to go into Denver, Colorado, and I was just good at it. And they were rolling out Costco. So they were like, hey, you know, we need you to, to pick one of these 13 cities you can move to. When I went to Denver, I wasn't as good at, uh, at selling direct TV. Like it was a completely different market. I didn't understand that at the time. I just, you know, tried to essentially apply the same actions. Didn't get the same result. Long story short, that drove me to selling phones in Costco. So I changed my jobs. When I was selling phones, 
one of my buddies that I was growing up with in Ohio came out and he was like, dude, went to Miami for like three days. Uh, it's the best. Like we got to go down there. Like there's hot women, there's this beautiful weather. And like, you know, we want to be entrepreneurs. Like it's, it's the environment for that out here in Denver. We're just smoking weed. We're going slow. You're like, let's move. So <laughs> my buddy, my buddy and I, we move and I had a lot of people don't know this, but this is something that I, I was able to use for my benefit It's like when you're working at a national chain, like a Costco, it's like, you can just ask to transfer and they'll happily move you wherever you want to mm. go. So I just went to my boss and it was just like, Hey, you know, I'm going to move to Miami. So they, they moved, moved me to a store down here that proved my income. I ended up moving to the hood accidentally because I didn't have enough money to actually travel to Miami to figure out where I was moving to. My buddy and I, we thought we were moving into downtown, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> but long story short, um, I like two or three months in, I can't remember the specific day range, but two, two or three months into coming down here, I sold a phone to this guy. His name was Peter and he ran a company out of North Miami beach. It, it sold led distribution franchises as like a low level franchising opportunity. So pretty much long story short, franchising has tons of different levels. Like, you know, you can go buy subway or Chick-fil-A as an example for a couple mil in his case he was selling to people that had about 10 K that mm. wanted to get into a franchise. So long story short, I sell a phone to this guy and he's like, dude, I just love, I just love your attitude. Um, why don't you come in for a job interview? He ends up hiring me as his head of marketing. This becomes an incredible literal resume builder for me. Um, three months into that job, he comes to me though. And he says, you know, I ran out of money and <laughs> long story short, I'm not going to have a job for you by the end of the week. I'm going to have to let you go. He said, he told me this on a Monday. I go home that night. I go on Fiverr.com, pay a lady like five or 10 bucks to like do my resume for me, who was a <laughs> professional resume writer. And I just told her all these different things I was doing at this job. Something in my head, like I said, like I just, I didn't understand anything about personal development or mentors. I just knew that I wanted to level up. I knew that all the stuff I just did for this guy, although I wasn't paid like crazy well for it, it's great resume builder and I needed somebody professional to do it. She gives it to me on Tuesday morning. I upload it on indeed.com Tuesday mm -hmm. afternoon and by Wednesday, I get a call from Grant Cardone's recruiter and they were like, yeah, we need somebody to do exactly what you're doing for this person. Um, which, you know, we need it for us is, you know, can you come in for an interview? So I got interviewed by the end of the week. I was starting by the following week and I, I can't tell you how it worked. It worked out perfect. I mean, definitely luck was on my side in that regard, but uh, I had no idea who Grant was before I, before I even went in there. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard of Dan Pena? Yeah. So I go in for the interview and I'm, I'm in a rented suit because uh, I didn't have much money at the time. I didn't know. Sure. And I'm in, the, I'm in the lobby. And it's this old dude in like a three-piece suit, like pinstripes, a little red, uh, whatever you call it, stuffed in his shirt there. And, you know, he's, he's very confident. Like he's talking to the secretary. As soon as I come in and sit down, he, go, he kind of chuckles. He goes, young man, you here for an interview? I said, yeah, are you? <laughs> and he, he, started, he, started laughing, he started laughing his ass off. And he's like, yeah, kind of. Kind of. And uh, then I got called back for the interview. Uh, long story short, I found out like in the interview itself with, with the COO of Grant's company uh, that, that, was, that that was Dan Pena. You know, <laughs> la later on, like, you know, nowadays, obviously I know who Dan is and I, I, I respect him a lot, but long story short, I had no idea at the time. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, so what do you think made you stand out to like Grant and his team? Like what made, what them, what, what do you think made them reach out to you? Well, um, you know, hear me out. Grant and his entire team, it's a very sophisticated operation and they were making a lot of money when, even when I walked into his business, I almost five years ago now, maybe, maybe even six years ago. Actually, yeah, I'm 25 now. So I was there when I was 19 and a half. So long story short, 
Um, I walked in, Grant was only making 40,000 a month on the internet. He was making one to 3 million a month in contract value per month in new revenue. I want to be clear, you know, he'd been in business for like 35 or 40 years prior to me walking in his door. So he had a ton of recurring revenue. So long story short, when you hear me say like one to 3 million in additional contract value, that would be paid out to him over one to three years, but he would get one to 3 million in deals per month on top of everything he was already being paid. 40,000 a month came from things that you could buy on the internet, long story short, like straight up online transactions. Sure. So, you know, although Grant, like from the outside, even, even once again, five, six years ago was, was a very sophisticated team. And like from the outside, you'd be like, wow, this is a great marketing organization and things like that. From the inside, digital marketing wise, I, I don't want to exaggerate here in any regard. Like there was nothing going on. I mean, they had 150,000 people in the database. Um, they, they were barely getting one email a month out to them. Um, wow. just like they were calling it a strategy of the week that had like just launched by, by the time I'd got there. Uh, you know, they, they didn't even know like, and by they, I mean my, one of my jobs was to train the salespeople on how to use this system called Infusionsoft, which, which for everybody doesn't know nowadays it's called keep by Infusionsoft, but it's just a CRM. It's where all your contacts go. And like, you know, you can, you can manage the marketing automation out of there as well. I mean, they weren't sending any emails. Salespeople had no idea how to go in and actually like, update contacts or wow. even go in and search people. So these salespeople every day, they would come in, they would generate lists or they would buy lists or things like this. And, um, they would share lists with each other. Uh, and it was crazy. I mean, they, they like were using Excel and they would just kind of toss the leads into the CRM and it's just like tossing them in a literal black hole, like without exaggerating, they just had no idea. Um, so that was my initial job is that I had to train everybody, um, in the sales team specifically on how to use Infusionsoft. I had to build out marketing automation. So I'd work close with their, uh, their VP of sales over there, Jared, um, who's sweet, by the way, Jared, Jared really knows what he's, uh, really, really knows what he's got going on in marketing wise. Very smart guy. And it was just a long game of implementing things. So we built out like six to eight months worth of marketing automation, um, daily email follow-ups sent from the sales guys. We taught all the salespeople how to use stuff, um, how, to, how to actually go into the CRM, search people, update their contacts, like build out opportunity sequences and all this stuff. And then they gave us a, uh, commission in the in the creative team they said any money you guys generate digitally you're going to get a cut of you get, you're going to get 10 percent split between you guys so that was like 1.1 or 1.2 percent you know give or take whoever made the most money that month or like did the most work in their eyes they'd get that extra like 0.1 um it was just you know respectfully to everybody in the room it's just it was, it was a little laid back um i was young like 19 i turned 20 while i was there like I was very money hungry. You know, I was coming from, from nothing. As I mentioned, I was in the Miami hood. Um, even at the time that I started working there and I just wanted to make more money, you know, I wanted to advance myself. Yeah. So when they said that we had that commission, well, after my initial three months of being there, I was a temp. They hired me on. That's when that commission kicked in. I just started taking all these different actions, um, to the COO, her, her name's Sherry and to grant. And it'd be like, guys, there's, you know, like an X, Y, Z that we could do. It's a revenue driven action. Like let's try it out. They'd give me very small budgets to start and, you know, just time after time, we just prove whatever it was that we wanted to do as a little marketing team and then just scale it up. And then eventually, long story short, that led to a couple million dollars a month throughout my 13 months there. We averaged 1.8 million a month in the, in the digital recurring revenues that were coming in. And that was, I mean, that was sick because, um, you know, everybody was just so much momentum, like in the entire company, such a great culture in there. Uh, and then, you know, you got Grant coming in every day, like getting involved in the digital marketing side. It was, it was just really fun. Uh, the reason I left for the last three months I was there, I got capped at 10 K a month. 
So I couldn't, I couldn't make more than that. Uh, so I wanted to make more. I wanted to do more. So I started my marketing agency. <laughs> oh, that's wild, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty crazy looking back on it. I mean, it was some wild transitions. So, I mean, did you pick up like all of that knowledge from that uh, job that you had with the guy that you sold a phone to? Or where did you like learn about all this like CRM stuff? And like, how were you able to teach this to these guys when you were like this 19 year old kid? Well, really, it was all it was all done along the way. And they were very aware of this as well. There wasn't any there wasn't any front and they're faking going on on my end. Like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm this very skilled labored person. Sure. It was just just more of a like a mindset that people were buying, I think, when they were employing me, which which was. I was very obviously like young, impressionable, like very willing. Um, you know, I was, I'm putting in a lot of work for people. I just had great work ethic. You know, my father growing up, he, he's a factory worker. So I watched him work like 12 hours a day, like five, six days a week sometimes. Uh, so I carried that over into this like marketing job and people just loved it. So long story short, it led to a lot of great opportunities um, for me to develop my skills along the way. Like initially when I got tossed in, to that first job where I was the head of marketing, it was just pure, I'm Googling things. I'm like, for example, working with Infusionsoft, I don't know why, but a lot of people don't do this. You just call them. I mean, they have support, like they have a support team. Yeah. I would just bring issues to them. I'd be like, yeah, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. They'd walk me through it. At Grant's office, I reached this point only a few months into my job where I would call them and I would have issues they'd never even heard of before. Like, so I was really using the system, long story short. And, you know, they would help me like they would get on screen shares and they'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's try this. Um, so it reaches this point after I get all this help to where now as I reach that, that foundation of knowledge, I can actually start doing things with it myself and kind of creating ideas. Grant really instilled a good principle into me, which was repeat successful actions. So a lot of the times I would just go and find other marketing campaigns that are out there and just repeat the actions of those said campaigns in a unique way tailored for Grant, um, which, he, which he'd encourage. But anyway, long story short, it was... Uh, there's a lot of learning along the way for sure. And then a lot of accountability. That was, that was the other side of that, that made the skills and those feedback loops happen faster and with better results is, is because the things I was doing, even though I was new to it, that doesn't mean I wasn't held accountable for what I was responsible for. Um, so I made sure that I always did my best and I mean, doing my best, I guess, paid off. I didn't, didn't really understand at the time though, like what, what skill level I was working at, what I was really able to produce. I just kind of thought it was normal. Yeah, for sure. And accountability, man, that's something that I see a lot of young people around me ditching as, as often as possible. Like they're just trying to like toss that off to anybody else besides themselves. So what made you want to like take that on or like what made you lean into that? Well, I mean, let's get clear that a lot of people, they become conditioned to not want to have accountability. For example, that could, that could just simply be traced back to how they were brought up. You know, maybe they didn't have parents that, that kept them accountable. I, I definitely grew up in an environment in a, in a negative and kind of unhealthy way where I was held accountable for just very stupid things. But to, but to the other side of that, you know, growing up and as, as a, as a young professional, that was a great mindset for me to maintain, which is, you know, accountability is a good thing. Uh, it leads to, it leads to more results for me, especially that I was going into the workforce and coming into an office like grants just without having conditioning, like meaning I was just open just social learning, you know, pure, pure bias here for group think I'm watching how everybody else in that office is dealing with, you know, Grant coming up and using his form of accountability, um, which, which, you know, to some, I imagine could be quite aggressive, but to me, I mean, to be honest, this is just the regular standard. Um, and it gets so much more results. So the difference was that now I was able to see at that young age when I was held accountable versus when I wasn't held accountable, 
and the differences in results that I would produce. So for example, like now even in my own business, just pure self-accountability or creating systems with others where I can be held accountable or investing in coaching or mentoring where I can be held accountable. Um, it has always been beneficial for me. I've, I've just measured the results between doing it, not doing it. Long, long story short, the advice to somebody that is not willing to be held accountable or thinks that they don't want to be held accountable, I would just say try it out. Um, you're definitely going to be uncomfortable, but do it purely so you can measure the difference between the results of being held accountable and not being held accountable. And if, and if you get better results and you're in it for that, it's kind of like time traveling. If you can get results sooner than other people or sooner than what you might have been able to do if you didn't, if you weren't held accountable, uh, then why not do it so you can get it done faster? Couldn't agree more. Like as I have made it more of a priority to keep my word to myself, I found that to be just extremely impactful on myself, my business, like every aspect of my life. Like if I can say something and I know that I'm going to do it, like that just changes everything. I heard something interesting one time. It was, it was, a, it was a third person perspective on yourself where it was a speaker. I, I can't remember who or where it was, but the guy gets on stage and he's like, can you imagine hanging out with somebody who constantly tells you they're going to show up and they never do? Or, you know, constantly is making plans and they never follow through with it. Or they just, you know, just a flat out liar. They just constantly are saying things they just never, they just never do and never follow through it. And then like flicks the slide. <laughs> it was like a, it's like a little blacked out silhouette character with a question mark in it. And he's like, he's like, is that, you know, that person is likely you. Most people, they lie to themselves and they put themselves in this position where they develop a relationship with this liar and, you know, they act like they don't understand why they never follow through. It's because you've developed a relationship with yourself as a liar, as, as something in somebody who can't keep your word in your own internal model, which, which is a devastating blow if you can't do that. Uh, I mean, yeah, and you just immediately have to turn it around out of pure discipline. It's one of the most beneficial things you could do to not lie to yourself. Obviously, there's going to be times where you slip. Um, you got to love yourself along the way and not beat yourself up. But nonetheless, uh, you know, that, that that's, that's a highly, highly encouraged internal model to have to be able to, to keep it real and keep a close perspective with reality and not lie to yourself. <laughs> I could not agree more with that. So let's transition into like starting that marketing agency. Okay. So you're leaving grant, you were capped out at 10 K you decided to leave and start your own thing. What did that look like? How did you take those first steps? It was really interesting. I remember I woke up the next day after I'd quit and it was just like a blank slate. It was just for the first time in my life. It felt like in a literal way, uh, I could just do anything I wanted to. And that whatever actions I would take would, would literally through time, like compound into this life and business that I was going to build. So at first, it's like very liberating, um, quite, quite scary at the same time. So in the first 45 to 60 days, I was able to do 50K, which was great. Didn't seem like a lot of money, though, um, just from the expense perspective of sharing commissions with my teams, splitting profits, uh, the amount of work that was done just to make that amount of money. We were selling services to personal brands. That's where my agency, we, we've focused down and we've niched on. There's so many different types of services that we've sold. The initial ones were things like social services, uh, just managing people's social media, creating content. When I initially was selling stuff, I was, I was too sophisticated for the market. I was used to this internal model where I was working for Grant, where you know we were doing really advanced things. We were spending a lot of money. The regular market was doing none of that. I mean, they didn't even know like what I was talking about when I would bring up sophisticated marketing automation and like the benefits and <laughs> like you know, just how to use it and stuff like that. So I realized immediately I had to simplify all my services down. We started doing things like building funnels. Um, I started building up my staff. I mean, if, if you get nitty gritty for those first few months, 
you know, pretty low level deals, like no notable names were coming onto our client list as far as personal brands. I definitely had to prove myself and get results outside of what I was able to do for Grant as a new agency owner now. And after I'd done that for some of the smaller clients, managed to stay in business, grow a solid team. Um, that's when I started expanding. I had eventually gotten to the point where I had three offices, um, two in Beverly Hills, one in Miami. At one point I had over 27 staff, uh, started doing over like 220K a month. And one of my mentors, they told me, they said, you know, why are you doing, why are you working for 220, but you're only taking home like 60 or 65? And it started making me look at my business quite differently. And it started made, making me audit my own behaviors, my own actions. And, and quite quickly, I realized in the middle of building this, I, I called it like a baby Gary V agency, <laughs> that that was quite the opposite of what type of agency I wanted to build. Every day I was bound to my business. I was bound to having to go train people, having to answer questions from staff or from contractors or from clients, um, having to go into another meeting, having to work on something on the business, like building out a new system or you know, working on an SOP or whatever it was, um, holding somebody accountable, you know, dealing with some random fire. I mean, you name it, there was literally an endless amount of actions that can never get accomplished um, on a day-to-day -day level. So it brought me to a point of unhappiness to where I realized, you know, I needed bigger goals is what I thought the solution was. So I, I decided to try to hit a million a month. I hired 12 salespeople, you know, expanded my staff out more, expanded my overhead out a little more. And it just got to the point where it was quite unsatisfying for me. So I realized the Gary Vee model wasn't the way to go. I fired a majority of my staff, uh, scaled down on the, on the offices, uh, refunded for that very month, $109,000 worth of clients, fired a majority of my clients, and realized I needed to rebuild. I learned a very valuable lesson in scaling agency. And that's clients didn't care about time and effort. They didn't care about the length of time it took for us to build a funnel or for how long it took to build and distribute their content and build an audience. They literally didn't care about any of that. They cared about the quantity of money that they made <laughs> and you know, the impact that our services had on their business. They in no way, shape or form cared if what we did took five minutes, but produced them a 20 to one ROI. They didn't, they didn't care about the time and effort that went into producing the results. So this critical lesson changed my entire business model. I, I incorporated three new values at the time, which were low time commitment, low responsibility, and high profitability for both myself and the clients that we chose to do business with. And this, this changed everything. I mean, I had in total four staff on average per month, about five clients that we'd be working hands-on with. We're doing 15, 25K minimums and service rev shares to where somebody's going to give us the fee, plus they're going to give us a rev share based on results. Uh, I made more money per month um, since I made that transition that was in October and November of 2017 with a smaller amount of staff, <laughs> so, you know, negligible overhead, um, substantially more result-driven services, really just, just working as an advertiser and a consultant nowadays. And long story short, you know, it's been probably, probably one of the wildest like agency transitions I think I've seen myself in the marketplace listening to stories and, you know, mentoring students and things like that. But um, that's been quite fun and I've got to work with a lot of great people along the way. And then now I give all that experience out as well to my, uh, to my students who learn things like starting scaling marketing agencies. So yeah, lots of good lessons in there, but that's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really like the one about, um, how, how clients really don't care how long it takes you to do something or like sure. how much like hours you have to put in a story that somebody told me like, or that, that, that really emphasizes that for me is like, if you lock your keys in the car and you call someone to like open the door for you, like, yep. And they tell you it's going to be a thousand dollars and it takes them like two seconds to get the door open with like their special tool. 
would you rather them take like two hours to open it and pay them a thousand dollars? Like people don't care. They want the result. And, and I probably didn't tell that story the best way, but like that, the, the, the lesson is the same as what you just said. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The, uh, the lesson's a hard lesson to learn if you learn it the hard way, but if you manage to really let it sink in prior to going into business or even allow it to make those transformative shifts that are quite bold to make sometimes in your business, like firing the wrong clients or just kind of pivoting to different types of services, building new skills potentially, it's, it's well worth it. Absolutely. So how are you landing your clients at the beginning? Cause that's a question that I'm getting all the time is like, how do you land social media marketing clients when you first quit grants? How are you landing even those small clients at first? Nice. So when I first got started is different to what I do now. It's sure. just developed with the same, same principles, just a different approach. So when I first got started, it was called the perfect cold email pitch. So hmm. I would essentially go and use these different tools that are for free available online, like SpyFu, Alexa, Nowadays, there's tools I would use like the Nacho Analytics tool that can show you all, their, all the Google Analytics for anybody online. And long story short, I would just go and use these tools. For example, let's, let's just whittle it down to SpyFu or like the Facebook ads library. I would just try to see what they're doing or what they're not doing. Even just down to simple things like do they have a pixel on their site or not? You know, do they have an SSL on their site or not? Um, then I would put an email together that would essentially be compiled of screenshots and actions. So like here's a screenshot of something. Here's some actions you could take. Here's a screenshot. Here's some actions you could take. I built this process it's called a CPR, clear process to revenue. So even back in the day when I was doing these emails, everything that I would talk about would just be something that related to driving revenue for their businesses. So long story short, at the end of the email, I pretty much would, would close it up with, hey, if you need help with any of the above, we're happy to help. Uh, if not, you know, just do all these actions. I'll help make you guys money. And here's all the other services we offered because at the time I offered an array of different services. And I was like, you know, if you want to get in contact, here's my email, here's my phone number, blah, blah, blah. Pretty good response rate. Anywhere from like 15, 25%, give or take who we're sending it to. Nowadays, same concept, but done with what I call the perfect cold video pitch. So, so the perfect cold video pitch is definitely very strategic, but long story short, pretty much just getting on a computer, uh, you know, turning on your webcam. I use a software called Camtasia. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you can use simple things like Loom, uh, use loom.com. L-O-O-M and pretty much just recording your screen to showcase your clear process to revenue. So let's say I'm an advertiser. Uh, I'd pretty much be showcasing my, my ad strategy that I'm going to deploy for them. And I'd just be making it, making the person aware, you know, here's the exact actions you can literally do. If you want us to do it, it costs this much. If you want us to consult on doing it, you already have a team. You want us to just skill transfer, knowledge transfer, it costs this much. So long story short, the game pretty much became how can I showcase what we're willing to do for people? And we came up with this process where we just started showing people our ad strategies. We just started saying, here's exactly what you can do, what you guys can do to produce revenue. Uh, if you want us to do it, here's how much it costs. If you want us to consult to do it, here's how much it costs. Um, you know, but either way, like literally go do this and this will make you money. That was so valuable for the people that we'd send it to that they would either start doing it and make more money or immediately they would reach out and be like, wow, dude, that was a mind blowing strategy. I've never heard of that before that they'd have little paradigm shifts because of the strategy we would present. And then they'd either hire us, you know, they'd bring us in for consulting or a hands-on deal. Um, or they'd just give us a little testimonial and they'd be like, dude, we just got some great results with that. So it was a, it was a win-win. We found that that was a great response rate, especially as we continue to get more clients, more positioning through time. Like with our literal response rate on that right now is about 40 to 60%. And that's also just to be cleared factored in given our positioning in the marketplace the types of results like in my 
my video pitches an example. Like I can open up Stripe accounts for multiple clients at one time and show like multiple monthly seven figure businesses and be like, you know, Hey, here's what we can help you guys do. So, so obviously our response rates factored into what we can showcase in the videos, but point being, I've even taught this to my students who, who once again, um, they pay me to learn how to start and scale marketing agencies. They're getting anywhere from 10 to 20% response rates, which is substantial comparatively to the, to the, um, you know, completely ineffective model of cold calling. There's some other effective usages that cost money, like definitely advertising can work, but I've just never been into spending money to get my clients. So I've always stuck with the perfect cold video pitch. Um, and then when I first got started, like I said, it's a, the perfect cold email. For sure. So like at the beginning, you mentioned you were doing a lot of different services for clients. Did you end up focusing down on like a couple core things or are you still pretty widely spread there? Yeah. So here's what I found. Uh, when I would offer the different services initially, I was building a business around being able to offer those services. So as an example, if a client wanted a funnel, to me that meant I could sell funnels to other people too. So I should get a funnel guy. I should get a copywriter. You know, those are not going to be payroll positions, but you know, obviously I can go and sell those services. That's going to pay for itself. What I learned, obviously expenses stay the same. Your income can fluctuate is that's not the way to go about it. For example, even today, I still sell funnels all the time. I sell press releases all the time. Um, you know, I sell chatbot automation all the time, but do I do it myself? No, I have what's called a strategic referral network, which is a group full of other experts that have those skills that individually focus on them that I refer that business to. And I either represent myself to the client as the person who could do it. And then I just outsource it. Or most of the time I'll just refer my client over to the person and then I'll get a kickback for the referral. So the difference here. <laughs> is that the client still gets the result that they're looking for. I take the responsibility off my plate of being the one that has to do it or being the one that has to communicate to the client about doing it. The client still gets the result, which is what matters. And in addition to that, I still get paid off of the deal. Typically at the same profit margins or a little less, obviously, depending on what I negotiate that we'd make anyway off of doing the deal and taking all the responsibility on board. So nowadays we pretty much exclusively focus on advertising, but to be clear, you know, we're skilled in multiple areas as digital marketers. So sometimes we see that there's other high revenue generating actions that we could take or that we can advise. We just kind of focus on literally whatever makes the most money for people. But our main, our main gig is advertising for sure. Hmm. So for the young person who's just starting off thinking they want to get involved in digital marketing, would you recommend they go for that sort of like jack of all trades approach where they're sort of getting widely um, knowledge in a bunch of different things or just like focusing on like advertising or funnels or copywriting in specific at first? It's a good question and it really depends on what kind of market the person's going to go after. But if they're just getting started, obviously just pick one thing, get good at it first, make some money off of it. If you're part of a community of other agency owners or other marketers, that's where you can do what's called building your strategic referral network, which is what I just mentioned. You know, get some other people who are skilled in other areas. All of a sudden you can be a generalist without having to be a generalist. You know, um, that's, that's one thing I think is still valuable even if you choose to take the specialized route. But long story short, if you choose to be a generalist, I also think that's very valuable because, you know, I can see as somebody who has skills in multiple areas, things that somebody who's a, who's a specialist can't see um, just from the fact I can understand all the different cause and effect relationships between some of these different tools and these different marketing strategies and things like that. So it does give you a little more encompassing perspective, but I think that comes through time. I didn't pick up all these skills at one time. I started off in marketing automation that led to me needing to understand advertising. Um, you know, that led to me needing to understand how to train salespeople and you know, how to build out all these different systems behind it. And, and all of a sudden I had to figure out reporting and analytics, just kind of a giant chain reaction. 
Um, long story short, you're going to start all these skills at a, at a very young foundational level anyway. Don't, don't be overwhelmed by all the different things you're probably going to figure out you need to learn along the way. This is why I found in digital marketing. It's like you can't just be good at Facebook ads without being led down the rabbit hole of needing to all of a sudden master copywriting and needing to master reporting. And then all of a sudden your client asks, well, what, what do you do Google AdWords? And you might not want to lose that business. So all of a sudden you try to start developing that skill. And then, you know, yeah, it's just this giant rabbit hole of you're just automatically going to get kind of led down each individual skill that you can develop. Just be open to it. I mean, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll give you the perspective you need, but start with one just, uh, and, and remember revenue driven, gen, generating actions only. Don't focus on things like social media management. Um, just try to make people money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, that's so key. And something that I see a lot of people forgetting a lot of the time where they're getting started is like the, the best way to sell yourself. And in, in my experience is like have something where you're gonna give them like a clear ROI on what they're paying you. Um, cause that's like the easiest way to sell someone. It's, yeah, it's very true. And, uh, and uh, obviously the, the objection comes, well, you know, I don't know how to make people money and I'm brand new to digital marketing. Like, how do I actually do that if I'm not confident yet? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the thing. You got to be open to fail. I mean, you know, just toss yourself in, be willing to figure it out as you go, but also be willing to fail. Just be willing to get paid to fail. Uh, don't, don't fret about that. That's what everybody experiences when they're first getting started. Any digital marketer who's not full of shit will definitely tell you they have failed hundreds and hundreds of times, especially when they're first getting started. Um, you know, that means they've had to go into meetings and they've, they've gotten, uh, you know, held accountable. They might've gotten fired from a few different deals that they've had. You know, you've, you've got to understand you're going to fail when you first get started and that's totally cool. Um, but long story short, educate your way through that as well. That's going to give you more confidence. If you're going into a situation and you know a little bit more about it, that's naturally going to give you more confidence than going into it completely blind, not knowing what you're doing and not having any resources to turn to when you have questions or, or not being able to turn to a community to get support from um, when, you, when you get kicked while you're down or something. So, so you know, give yourself give yourself the support. Get a community full of people that are doing what you want to do, successful and in your current stage. That way you can see the developments along the entire path and then get, get a resource. You know, tap into the things that are free, especially like Facebook's Blueprint. Um, Google yeah. AdWords has university. I mean, heck, you, if you want to learn SEO as an example, there's so many different resources like Moz has their tool out there that has endless information, Neil Patel. I mean, the, the amount of creators alone that talk about things. Uh, even on my Facebook page, I go into the same ad strategies I go into my programs um, with just as much depth, you know? So my point is, be in the position where you understand there's a lot of stuff that can teach you things and that's what's going to give you more confidence to start. Your results will give you more confidence through time, but when you start, you don't have results. The, the data and the community is what's going to give you the confidence. Hmm, straight up. So how do you think about risk in like diving into new ventures, getting started, expanding in different verticals? Like how do you think about risk in your business? You know, risk, risk is pretty funny. Um, when I first got started, there's definitely a different definition of what risk meant because when I first got started, I didn't really have any like responsibilities. I didn't have kids. You know, I didn't have a, a significant other. It's just, it just me and, and my empty bank account. So risk to me pretty much meant like I'm going to give up on my current cycle and I'm going to step into something new. And that could mean I'm either starting over completely or I'm just literally in a fresh cycle. So risk when I was first getting started, just once again, didn't have the same definition of what it means now. If, if you're stepping into something and you do have responsibility driven risk, meaning you have things that like overhead expenses, um, you know, human liabilities, like you have 
partnerships, you have kids, uh, you have family members that rely on you financially or, you know, for you to be there. I've had somebody tell me before that their father was, was, uh, had a neck injury. Um, they couldn't really leave the home because they couldn't afford a caretaker. So that person was stuck in that physical location, which limited them on certain opportunities. I understand there's certain things that limit your ability to take as much risk, but nonetheless, uh, you still have to progress. You still have to have this mentality that you're going to flourish and prosper, that you're going to grow, um, that you're going to take advantage of things that allow you to expand. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Are you taking actions out of expansion or are you taking actions out of contraction? And if you're taking actions out of contraction, then I would tell you, you should risk more to get to the point of expansion. If you're taking actions out of expansion and you're, you're expanding in a healthy way, meaning if you looked at it statistically and you're not at like a straight vertical cliff of growth and you're in more of a healthy slope that's, that's increasing through time, you don't have to take as much risk because you're trending in a statistically healthy growth oriented way. If you're in a, if you're in a contracting statistical trend, meaning you're literally going statistically downward, same thing. If you're at a steep, steep decline, that's technically where you'd be more risk adverse and you should, you should take more actions to get you out of those circumstances. Obviously risk more. If you're in a situation where we're declining a negative slope, but you know, it's not, it's not as unhealthy or steep as that other version, it's still declining. Same situation, you know, definitely take an action uh, or a set of actions that might open you up to some risk, but can get you out of that situation, but maybe not putting it all on the line. Uh, so, so you avoid that next statistical trend that could occur, which is that steep decline. Long story short, just look at it through stats. You know, are you, are you growing in a healthy, stable, consistent way? That's how much risk you can put into it to kind of gauge, uh, you know, how much risk can I actually open myself up to in a, in a data driven way rather than just a gut feeling kind of way? Like, you know, is this situation going to put me in a bad spot or not? How do I feel about it? You know, look, look at your stats. <laughs> always, always got to consult the stats. That's a must. Now, Jeremy, I'm sure our listeners are curious how you were able to form these connections with some of these high level influencers, um, people like Dan Locke and the other um, really high profile people you've gotten to work with that you mentioned earlier in the show. So talk to us about that networking experience and how you're able to, to connect with these individuals. Yeah. And, and a lot of people might think that there's some big sophisticated system behind it, but it's exactly what I mentioned earlier. It's just perfect cold video pitches. So Dan Locke is an example. He was a perfect cold video pitch. Um, I'm going to confidently say about 95% of our clients have been uh, through perfect cold video pitches or that, or that perfect cold email that I mentioned at the beginning of our agency. Um, very few we've taken on through referrals. We have a very strict set of characteristics that we look for called our perfect client traits. It's 23 individual characteristics. If anybody doesn't have all 23 of them, we just don't take them on as a client or we help them get positioned so we can help them if we see that, that there's potential in that person. Uh, long story short, a lot of the referrals we've ever gotten are just not, they're not up to the, uh, the standard that we work at. I mean, a lot of our clients, they're so specific um, to who we want to work with that we know we can get the most results for. Our game is typically taking people from six figures a month to seven figures a month. Uh, sometimes we'll play the, let's take them from five figures to six figures a month. They're, they're completely different games. Um, and obviously that those two games in themselves are completely different than helping people getting started with their personal brand. Hmm. So anyway, long story short, it's all the perfect cold video pitches. If I do go network, um, which I definitely do, you know, it's, it's through masterminds typically that I'm getting some of the higher level deals we've gotten outside of perfect cold video pitches, um, which are where you invest like 5k, 10k, 20k to go to one of these events with a bunch of other people who did too. That's typically where you're going to meet 
some of the most high level sophisticated people you're going to get around that are very connected themselves um, in one of the least socially barriered environments, meaning you can get in front of people there that are going to be more open to communicating with you than they are in any other time or place that you could have met them. So I've found some great personal relationships, business relationships, client relationships out of going to masterminds specifically more than any other type of, of uh, you know, networking based interaction I could have gone to and done. Yeah. I mean, putting yourself in that room just like shows them that you're serious about what you're doing and that you, you belong there and that they like that you are worth their time basically. Yeah, it's true. And, and the other side of that is that, you know, if I spent like, for example, the dollar beard club mastermind was a big one for me. That's where I developed a lot of my mentor relationships and a lot of the relationships with, with just other people who are now my friends that are high level guys. I paid 10 K to go. And one of the big things I heard while I was there that everybody else just felt comfortable networking with one another because we all knew that everybody else paid 10 K to go as well. So just purely financial qualification, nothing else incorporated into that mentality. Just everybody else paid a lot of money to be here. That means everybody else, just like you said, invested into themselves. That shows me that I'm going to network with this person much more than, you know, the random guy I'm going to meet at the coffee shop or somebody I'm going to meet at a regular event who comes up and tries to talk to me. Precisely. All right, Jeremy, I got some questions I'd like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. So are you feeling ready for those? Yeah, absolutely. Fire away. All right, let's rock it. The first of which is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? It could be in your business, in your life, but like what's got you fired up? Artificial intelligence for sure. Really? Um, not, not like the, the BS that most people talk about. It's purely from a perspective as a marketer. And there's already so many tools that are what's called narrow artificial intelligence, which have like very specific use cases. And, and it's really just all a bunch of hyped up machine learning right now, to be honest with you. But well, let me be clear. When we, when we reach what's called general artificial intelligence to where, let's say, are you familiar with ClickFunnels? Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. What I do is or like, or like mini chat as an example. Like yep, yep. Those, are, those are platforms that provide us as marketers an opportunity to do whatever we want with it. Like if you get mini chat, there's no specific type of chat bot that they tell you to build. Like they just say, do whatever you want with click funnels. Same thing. It's like, they don't tell you, you know, they give you an example. Like here's a few different types of funnels you could build. But at the end of the day, you can literally do whatever you want. When you get general artificial intelligence, picture like the click funnels or the mini chat of general artificial intelligence. It's going to be, a, there's going to be a essentially like a programmable solution that we can just give a direction to. And it essentially will, depending on obviously the sophistication of it when we're talking about handle a lot of tasks um, that are very time consuming or are very repetitive or are very, are very just meticulous uh, that can take a lot of time away from a marketer. If you get to the point, which is what I found that you allow yourself to have more time to strategically think and time to load up your brain with more data that, that taking smart actions is so much more valuable than just taking tons of actions so long story short, if we reach this point in marketing where we essentially have like the click funnels of general artificial intelligence and there's something that can just help tackle general tasks at a very low, for example, like monthly cost, like a click funnels or a mini chat compared to payroll positions, I can picture like full teams of just literal general artificial intelligence in like different areas that are current payroll positions of just repetitive tasks um, that whole businesses can be built on for like the lowest overhead we've ever seen in history. So personally, as somebody who has, has invested into understanding AI, taking MIT courses, watching you know, dozens, hundreds of hours at this point of AI videos on YouTube and 
like investing into going to conferences and things like that. I am so pumped to take advantage of that time period. Um, I feel like for me as a young person, there's a few different giant industry shifts that occur in one's lifetime. And I feel like this is one of them. So I'm, I'm really pumped for that. Uh, Man, you got me fired up just listening to that. Yeah. It's going to be so exciting. I mean, imagine, imagine a time where all these like scammer marketers that we're talking about living this life where, you know, you don't really have to do much yet. You have like this digital version of yourself that is just crushing things all day long and it frees up your real life self and gives you true time freedom and, you know, produces real wealth. I think there'll be a time for that where it doesn't have to be done through payroll and putting labor on the backs of other humans, but there'll be labor on the backs of these semi-intelligent systems that we can create. Um, some of which, like I said, we can, we can do in very narrow ways now, but as I mentioned, there's just an expanded viewpoint to this that it's going to open up so many more possibilities. Um, and I think it'll help humanity as a whole. I'm not, I'm not one of the advocates that it's going to create like an impoverished wealth gap. I think it's going to create a gap full of people who use technology and people who don't. Um, and I think that that'll obviously create wealth for people of significance, but I just also think people will be much happier because they'll have actual time freedom and they won't have to be as repetitive laborers as most are now. Mm, that's the truth. Jeremy, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business, your lifestyle? <laughs> yeah, was, I, I mentioned it kind of in the middle of the podcast. There's something that my old boss Grant taught me, which was to repeat successful actions. The concept of how many successful actions that there already are that have been proven versus trying to create something new or like a new set of actions it makes no sense to try to create something new. And there's already, I mean, one could say without exaggeration that there's likely hundreds of millions of different sets of actions that could be taken that have already been proven successful by other humans in multiples of like thousands or hundreds of thousands, even give or take the actions you're looking at. I would encourage everybody, especially when you're unsuccessful, just repeat successful actions. And then when you get to the point where you are successful, feel free to, you know, kind of work outside of the lines a little bit and start thinking with different things, but just allow yourself to make it easier by repeating successful actions. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one of the biggest hacks for anybody. A hundred percent. I mean, guys don't reinvent the wheel. I mean, if something's worked for people for years and decades, like you can probably try it out and you can probably have similar results. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just like this sense of pride that you think like you need to figure it out your own way, but you know, who cares if you make your first million repeating the actions as somebody else has already proven so you could make your first million and then do what you need to do next to evolve and adapt. And who knows? I mean, maybe even after you make your first mill, you realize there's more successful actions that can get you to 10 and a hundred and you know, et cetera, all the way up. Absolutely. Now, Jeremy, you've dropped in so much value on the podcast. I'm extremely grateful for that. Where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, um, learn more about what you're up to and uh, learn more about your programs? I'm always, I'm always very responsible on my Instagram. It's just my name, Jeremy, uh, J E R E M Y. And uh, yeah, you can shoot me a DM. Uh, just search me on uh, really anywhere. Honestly, just Jeremy Haynes. You'll find my social media. Awesome, awesome. I'll be sure to toss some of those links in the show notes for our listeners as well. Jeremy, again, super grateful for you choosing to spend your time here on Young Smart Money today. Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listeners with here today? Yeah, for sure. Don't give up. Uh, through time, everything gets better. Um, just focus on growth. Focus on evolving. Don't get overwhelmed by things. And always remember the cheat codes for real life are mentors, coaches, and give yourself confidence with data. It's always going to help supplement your ability to get more done and feel more certain about anything. 
having more data and having a community of people to be with. Those are straight facts. Jeremy, again, man, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you've Absolutely. been dropping wisdom left and right, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. That is going to do it for this episode of Young Smart Money. I hope you guys got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I have some value to share with you. So I got a lot of questions coming my way every single day about how I started and grew Young Smart Money from the ground up to now where we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. We're a top 100 business podcast. The show is consistently pulling in five figures of revenue per month. For me, I'm able to connect with some top level influencers and really grow my network. Everyone's wondering how I did it. So what I decided to do was I was I decided to share literally all of my secrets with you guys for free. Okay, now a lot of you guys might be saying, "Wow, this kid! I thought he had at least a few brain cells. They must they must have just completely." disappeared like this kid doesn't know what he's talking about but i wanted to share this with you guys for free because it's what i'm passionate about literally every single day i'm in the dms helping people out for free um i i, I see I, I get fulfillment i personally get fulfillment by seeing you guys succeed so that's what i want to allow you guys to do so i put together this free training again all you have to do is head to my website applecrater.com podcast and you can hop on this training for free and i'll learn exactly how i'm able to do what i do and how i was able to scale it in such a short amount of time how you can do the same as well um and all that i ask in return is that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast you guys know how much those mean to me so if you could take the time again five seconds to, to just leave me a review on iTunes could be a one star could be a five star just give it whatever you feel the show deserves in your heart of hearts um, I really would appreciate that so much and again in return I want to give you guys that free training over at applecreator.com slash podcast where you can learn exactly how I was able to do what I do and how I'm able to continuously um, grow this thing scale this thing and just use it as this massive leverage point to connect with so many amazing people so again guys one last time that's applecreator.com slash podcast Go check out that free training I made absolutely for you as soon as you write us a five-star review, okay? I'm not going to be enforcing this, but it's kind of like an honor system, okay? So if you watch the training, I'm going to expect that you left us a five-star review, okay? Because if I'm going to give some to you, I'm going to need you to give a little something to me, okay? So once you guys do that, head over to the training, watch it, check it out, let me know what you think. Um, and I know you guys are going to enjoy, get a ton of value. I dropped some secrets that I've never talked about publicly before. So um, definitely you're going to enjoy that. Um, I'll see you guys over there. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it takes you.